You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Now, it's that time of year where we are trying to organize and prep and plan for the upcoming season, and some of the gear that we use takes batteries. Now, you should go visit your local Interstate Battery store or visit interstatebatteries.com to check out all the different varieties of batteries that they offer. They have truck batteries. They have batteries for your trail cameras. They have batteries for your range finder and everything else that is electronic that you use for your hunting equipment. They have batteries for that. Interstatebatteries.com. Awesome company. Check them out. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast brought to you by Expedition Archery. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 47, where we cover digital scouting for elk. Hello, and thanks again for tuning in to the Transition Wild Podcast, the number one source for Western big game hunting. Can you believe it's already mid-July? That's, that's literally only a month and a half until elk season begins and kicks off here, here in Colorado, so I cannot believe it. Hope you guys had a great 4th of July. You're able to get outside, have some beers at the lake, or do something cool. <laughs> but now it's time to get zoned in for elk season. And in this episode and the coming episodes, we're talking about everything related to public land, out-of-state elk hunting, like tactics and tips to kill some elk, uh, kill some big bulls, uh, where to find elk, and scouting and, and digital scouting with this this episode, uh, planning out-of-state hunting trips. We're, we've got a number of cool episodes coming down the pipe, all kind of geared towards elk hunting, archery elk hunting, and, and aggressive tactics and things to hopefully get you in that 10% club this year because I know it's not easy. It's really, really not. It's it's very difficult, especially the bow on public land, over-the-county units. It's just not... <laughs> not an easy game i'm in the same boat i haven't killed an elk in a couple years i hope hope i get one this year i've just messed up too many times too many blown stocks too many blown encounters but hey that's elk hunting the statistics say i probably shouldn't kill another elk for another seven years that's just the name of the game that's how it goes but for 2019 at least here in colorado and probably much of the mountain west here it's kind of the way I've seen things shaping up. I think it's going to be a perfect storm um, for this season. The, the The archery season doesn't kicked off, get kicked off until September, so you know you're getting cooler temperatures and and more more season through the latter part of the the September. Whereas last year, I think things ended like September 24th, so we're getting an extra week in September. We're also, uh, you know, we got pounded with a ton of, of snow this past winter where the year prior, it was just desolate. It was it was dry. So everything by July, June was burnt up as far as the food and the grasses. So that really changed the, the, the how those elk moved. And um, I actually just wrote an article about all this, why I think Colorado is, is in for a big year and why it could be a banner year in 2019. Uh, just because a number of weather-related factors and, and, and trends from, from last year and over the last couple of years, uh, this year's shaping up pretty good. So if you're hunting in Colorado and, and, and just archery hunting in general um, here in the Mountain West, I think you're in for a treat. I think it's going to be really, really good. So um, 
stay tuned. Buckle buckle your seatbelt. It's it's gonna get good for sure. All right. So today we're covering digital scouting for elk, and um, this is this is something I've really kind of. Uh, learned over the years, not not just from using different kind of software, Google Earth, Onyx Maps, but uh, also from a lot of trial and error, and actually seeing a lot of stuff happen in the field, and and having the encounters, and and blowing bulls out of areas just because I have I have no clue what I'm doing, <laughs> especially when I was a beginner. But digital scouting is huge for for people who don't really know what they're getting into and live out of state. So today we're covering that. Um, I'm not going to wait any longer. Let's let's just jump into that and, and let's talk some digital scouting for elk. Before we begin, today's episode is brought to you by Expedition Archery, manufacturer of the world's finest archery experience. Expedition bows combine aerospace level quality, innovative designs, and a fluid feel serious hunters demand. Test drive one today at your nearest archery retailer and view their full lineup at expeditionarchery.com. Why settle for status quo when opportunity and adventure awaits? Make your next hunt an expedition. All right, joining us today in the studio, we have Adam Parr with Transition Wild. How's it going today, Adam? Oh, I'm pretty good. Could could be better. Uh, okay, well, uh, I'm really excited to be talking to you today about elk scouting and, you know, really picking your brain. It's getting close to elk season. Are you getting pretty jacked up? Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the best elk hunter there is, and, uh, you know, I know everything about it. So it's just another year for me, just killing big bulls and, and, and doing all that. Oh, okay. Well, um, God damn, you're, you're pretty pretty arrogant um what's what's up with that well i you know some of my youtube videos i've put out i've i've, I've got about twenty five thousand views on on my elk scouting video i i, I just i i'm the best there is and uh yeah i actually charge fifty dollars a minute per podcast episode so yeah this actually started about 10 minutes ago so uh yeah, you'll be getting an invoice at the end of this this podcast, just, just so you know, seriously, dude, is that, is that how you're going to treat me? This is, I knew you were a bag. Why, why do you have to do this to me? This is unbelievable. You are a pile of, I, I you know what? This podcast is over. I'm going to show you to the door. Get the hell out of my office right now. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let it. All right, sorry about that, guys. I uh, I had this idiot on my podcast, and I had to just get rid of him. So, well, I'm just gonna go ahead and do this myself, just because I, uh, you know, I want to bring you guys some good content and and really show you, you know, the ins and outs of elk hunting and 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 digital scouting. I know a lot of you guys that start from from scratch and have never been elk hunting before. You live out of state. And, and you're kind of trying to do it all from, from home without ever stepping foot in the woods, it can be difficult. And, and I totally understand that. And it's just not easy. But, you know, the goal today is, is just really showcasing some of the resources available and, and what you can do from your couch and in your living room to, to hopefully get you in the ballpark of, of finding, 
you know, some good elk habitat and really, really diving into those zones. There's, in addition to some resources like Google Earth, Onyx Maps, there's a ton of videos and articles online. I know Randy Newberg's pretty, uh, you know, well-known for e-scouting. I think Corey Jacobson's got some some good stuff on Elk 101. Uh, there's just a ton of information that you can dive into, but um, I've also put together a, a really good resource on my YouTube page. It's called Digital Scouting for Elk in Colorado. It actually does have quite a few hits, and uh, it's been pretty popular, and, and people seem to really like it. It helps them out quite a bit, and I'll, I'll talk, to, talk about that more here in the coming minutes. But um, the one thing I want to emphasize about digital scouting is just not putting all your eggs in, in that basket. It, it, digital scouting is is meant to really give you a ballpark of where to start and, and where to begin. Try to figure out a bunch of different options and really get the lay of the land, but don't put all of your stock in, in, you know, looking at everything from a, from a Google earth, uh, you know, overview or on, on X maps, cause so many things can change. So I just want to throw, I just want to throw that caveat out there. Don't, don't base your entire hunt, your entire trip, all your money, all your time off just on the digital scouting. Cause you gotta be with any hunting in general, but especially coming out of state and elk hunting, you just gotta be mobile. You gotta adapt to the things that come. So why is digital scouting so important well if if you've never been to an area before it's going to help you help you kind of oversee and, and get really get a bird's eye view of a potential hunting area or a unit you know starting at a larger scale and then really being able to get in close and, and figure out the details which we'll kind of cover all the steps here in a second it also allows you to mark waypoints of potential trailheads, camping areas, access routes. Uh, you know, when you get into the finer details, you can locate maybe some benches and some of that, some of the, you know, specifics as far as terrain and uh, cover and, and food sources. So you can really mark out all those points ahead of time. It really just changes you as a hunter and makes you more efficient and allows you to really concentrate in those higher probability areas and really kind of maybe crossing off. Um, and not that you, again, this is all kind of ballpark high level stuff, but maybe it allows you to cross off and kind of get into, you know, higher probability areas, uh, distinguish between private and public lands, find those hard to reach areas that you might not be able to, to see from the road. Or again, if you've never been out there, there's, there's really nothing you can do other than digital scouts. So there's a, there's a lot of reasons to do it. And, um, Again, everything can look so much different when you show up in person and, and everything can change based on hunting pressure, whether uh, you might be looking at spots on the map and, and, and you might just not be able to get in there either to road access or what you thought was a, I can't tell you how many times I've, I've been even around here in Colorado, I can't tell you how many times I've been looking at a map and then I see this like, oh man, this is going to be a good access point and then I go to that spot and that road is gated or it's a private road or you know it the boundaries just don't add up for whatever reason so there's there's so many different variables there and 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 the other thing i like to point out too is is you know again going with being adaptable jared scheffler who i had on my podcast uh, about a month or so ago he had so many great tactics when it comes to to elk hunting and, and if you've seen his videos whitetail adrenaline and even the elk stuff 
he just sh- he's the master of showing up to an area really completely blind um i know he does some sort of scouting and, and knows the general lay of the land and, and gets a game plan that way but when he's there he is strictly just driving roads checking everything out on on foot um you know once he's got a game plan and has located elk so um you know he he really uses that approach but again you can't do that till you show up so um again don't let your digital scouting be your end-all be-all but um you know obviously use it as a tool to kind of get you in the place so if you're absolutely green and have no idea where you should even start to hunt, what units to check out, where to begin in general, start with maybe identifying your state's website. So if you're hunting Montana, you know, go go to the Montana Fishing Game, go to Idaho Fishing Game website, um, you know, t- start finding these resources, going to the websites and and really getting some information. You might look up some local biologists or local officers in that area and start and start dialing them you know um you might you might start looking at different maps you might start looking at harvest statistics i mean there's all this this information out there that you can just start by your state's website this, so this is really if you have no no idea where to even start what what unit you're going to hunt what type, what part of the state so that's just how you kind of get a general lay of the land but I, I would assume probably most people either have some sort of direction or some sort of area where to hunt if you're actually hunting in Colorado and and you're just green first timer have absolutely no idea where to begin go to my website and I'm not just trying to shameless plug myself here but I've put together a really a really good beginner elk hunting guide for Colorado. So if you go to transitionwild.com, subscribe. So you got to give me your email address, but I promise I'm not going to spam you. <laughs> give me your email address. You get the Colorado beginner elk hunting guide for free. And it's essentially a 10-page PDF download that walks you through, you know, choosing where to hunt, when to hunt, uh, locating over-the-counter units, looking at the harvest statistics, walking you through a number of these things in order to get started based on maybe the experience you want to have the gear that you need to buy all that stuff and and then we cover some digital scouting there's some other articles in there as well but um you know that for Colorado that's that's a that's a really good resource that that I've I've put together and and hopefully you guys take advantage of that so definitely go check that out transitionwild.com and um so let's just let's just as we're talking about Colorado here, I want to kind of kind of dive into that. And I mentioned I mentioned it to, to you earlier, but I I have put together a really good video on my YouTube page. It's called even if you just type into Google, um, you know, digital scouting for elk in Colorado, or if you just go to my YouTube page, uh, Transition Wild. You'll be able to find my video I've put together, and it's you know the Google Earth digital scouting for elk in Colorado, and uh, it's, it's, I'm not trying to be arrogant here, but it is a good resource and a good video to really walk you through how to use Google earth. Um, so you can download the, the unit maps, the, and, and in conjunction with these species overlays that Colorado parks and wildlife has put together. Some people don't know this, but literally for every single species huntable or not elk and deer included, you can go to the Colorado parks and wildlife website which I show you how to do in this in this video, you can go download what's called the elk species data overlays. And essentially it's just a 
KMZ file that you download to your computer in regards to Google Earth, and it gives you these overlays of where uh, of elk concentration areas. So essentially, uh, it breaks them up into a bunch of different categories and overlays, but uh, the two main ones for at least for archery and, and getting into the rifle seasons are going to be the summer concentration areas and, and winter concentration areas. And literally, if you're looking at a map, it's going to, when you download those and you pull them up on Google Earth, it's going to give you a, an overlay that, you know, can be transparently shown and, and it will put it over that type of terrain and you can see like, you know, where they're going to be and, and where they're found in the summer, in the winter. Um, there's also a number of different overlays in there, like production areas, basically where the cows are having calves, there's migration corridors, um, that sort of thing. But really, if you're archery elk hunting in Colorado, you'll want to concentrate on the summer areas. If you're maybe more late season rifle or even like second, third season rifle, uh, you might want to look maybe between the summer areas and the winter areas. So these are these are really, really good starting points for you to be able to say, all right, I don't know where elk live. I've never hunted here in Colorado. Uh, I'm, I'm going to archery hunt. How the heck do I find elk? Well, this video walks you through all that. And, and when you have these overlays, again, this just gets you in the ballpark. And then from there we can start dissecting the, 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 the details. Now it's not hundred percent right, but what I've seen in person is and from talking with other people and, and experiences from my buddies, uh, it's, it's pretty dang accurate to be honest. And, um, what's cool. I was actually talking to a friend, him and his son had, had, had hunted in this one unit in Colorado for mule deer last year. His son had a mule deer tag. He had an elk tag and, um, you know, he's going back to the same unit this year with another elk tag. And, and he was like, you know, maybe, can you help me, uh, find some elk in this area or, you know, what, what would be a good spot? Like, can you help me out? I was like, yeah, sure. No problem. So we start looking at the unit and I was like, have you downloaded the species data maps? Have, uh, you know, that we could basically look at like maybe the, the, the in-between areas of the summer and the winter ranges and maybe see, you know, during third season rifle, possibly if they would be in that unit. So lo and behold, you know, he hadn't seen an elk in there last year, the entire time they were hunting. Lo and behold, we download the units maps and <laughs> there's absolutely no summer concentration area overlay in that specific area he was hunting, really in that entire unit, except for one little corner. Um, and there was no winter overlays in that unit. So no wonder he didn't see an elk. Um, it's just, you know, the, the Colorado Parks and Wildlife has gathered this data. They do the studies, and, and they're just simply not found in that particular area. My other buddy, he was out elk hunting in Colorado a couple years ago. He he used the overlays for, um, you know, for early season hunting. He focused on those concentration areas in the summer, and he killed a great bull in one of those spots on public land using those overlays and and it really got them in the ballpark so i can't stress it enough that's such a valuable resource that i think people should take advantage of again helps you get get you in the ballpark gets you started so definitely go check out that video so um so once you have once you have that stuff downloaded and you're and you're looking at the the overlays and and maybe how they add up again if i was archery hunting you know, early or late August, early September, even in through the whole month of September, 
I would I would really look at those summer areas. That's that's going to be where the bulls are betting, where they're going to be in their natural patterns until you know they start getting pushed by pressure. Uh, it starts snowing. Let's say in October, November, they'll definitely get pushed down from there more towards their winter areas. But um, you know, again, if you're uh, you know archery hunting. Uh, rifle hunting, I, I would start there. Forget the details at this point, if you're hunting in Colorado, of maybe public land, private land. Don't look at necessarily the roads yet. Just kind of get a good idea where, where these areas are. If you're not hunting in Colorado, um, you know, you're really just going to, I would I would recommend going to watch this video anyways. Maybe pick up some similarities in terrain and you know, where these overlays are at and maybe try to reference them to maybe some of the areas that you're checking out in, in differing states like Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. And then, you know, try to pick apart the pieces that way. So um, that's what I would recommend. Try to make, make some comparisons, look at maybe what's in common. So if when it comes to, to kind of then taking the next steps, I actually like to pull up Onyx maps. So once I've, I've kind of found those overlays in Google Earth and, and showing those, I will then, um, you know, pull up Onyx maps side by side or in, in a different window on the browser. And then that's when I'll start diving into uh, the different things, you know, such as such as, you know, make sure you turn on the the overlays of public and private land. So then you can see, all right, this is the area that I, I, I can hunt if I'm, I'm going after public land. I then also start using some different overlays like maybe the roadless areas map and because that that one's pretty cool because it shows you and kind of shades in maybe where there's there's less concentration of roads and trails so you know there's there's less pressure there so I use that overlay and then I also look at obviously the trails and roads uh, which ones are motorized which ones are foot traffic and then I can start getting a good idea of, of, of maybe how I can access some of these areas and and even if those summer concentration areas are, are legal for me to hunt you know some might be on private land some might be in public some might be landlocked uh, BLM you know corner hopping stuff so I, then I start kind of moving deeper and and really start kind of getting the overlays and, and the lay of the land based on all this information all right, so then once I have kind of the roads and trails and I'm starting to look at public and private land, uh, maybe some of the roadless areas, I then look at, look towards maybe terrain features that might deter public access or, or, or might deter other hunters, such as maybe a big canyon that, that runs through the area or, or maybe some a really steep, uh, you know, cliff edge or a mountain that, that's just straight up nasty. Maybe it's a river. Um, all these things that might potentially deter other people and keep them out of certain areas. And approximately for elk hunting, although it's not a straight rule of thumb, I'm looking at somewhere 75, 8,000 feet all the way up to tree line, you know, 11, 12,000 feet. So uh, obviously they, they can be found anywhere in between and it doesn't really give you um, much of a <laughs> direction to go off of, but primarily I'm looking at at least 8,000 feet elevation on up to, you know, close to 12, depending on, on where I'm hunting. So uh, again, try to find those different features and, and start looking at the maps that, that might deter people. And, and um, to, to the other side of the spectrum, um, you know, you also you also got to look at maybe some overlooked areas. Uh, 
Jared Scheffler on the podcast uh, a month or so back. Uh, just as a side note, if you haven't listened to that, you got to go listen to it. That'll that'll one get you jacked up for hunting, but he's also just a wealth of knowledge on on everything when it comes to to elk hunting, uh, public land. But um, in in regards to to him hunting, uh, you know, he tries to find overlooked areas because what I'm seeing now as a trend with with all of this gear and all of these lightweight tents and this technology and and just being more prepared in the backcountry, people are able to go in further. They're able to stay longer, and you got horses, you got, <laughs> you know, just all this equipment to, to really get you further back in and stay longer. So although the rule of thumb most of the time is get further away from roads and further away from people, you know, uh, sometimes the backcountry can get a little bit crowded, and you never know who you're going to run to four or five miles in. So, don't be afraid to also check out some of those overlooked areas. We all hear the stories of the guy sitting at camp and and shoots a bull that's right next to the road. Uh, I'm I'm in that club. Uh, a couple years back, my first elk, I rolled my ankle uh, first couple days of hunting way in the backcountry, and I thought that's where I got to be. That's where I got to go. So when I rolled my ankle, I I still wanted to go further back in and, and bomb up the mountain, but I because of my injury, I was kind of forced to hunt in flatter meadows next to the road. Well, lo and behold, I you know shot an elk, didn't recover it um, that first night, and then ended up coming back to that same meadow a couple days later and, and killed my first bull. So just because uh, maybe you start identifying some of these areas that are further away off the road, maybe also have some spots checked out that yeah, might get overlooked and everyone's driving past and there's a, there's elk out in these sage flats next to maybe some private land or something. Start looking at those too. Start start getting an overlay uh, or a lay of the land. And the, the main thing here is just figuring out all your potential options, all the potential. If it's public, it's it's probably not a bad bad idea to be checking it out and uh, you know at least marking some spots because you just you just really really never know. So after I've kind of got a high level lay of the land, I've used the overlays, and again we're co- talking more about Colorado here, but you know a lot of the same stuff can apply to Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, uh, all these other states. Um, I then start to look at further details. All right, so where what's the spot within the spot and and really that comes down to food water and cover and um, we'll kind of talk about the the preferences and 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 maybe the category or order I I look into those um, you know in 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 a rating sense but I really look at um, maybe I try to identify maybe food first just because it's it can be a little bit more obvious uh, on certain things. So what what I'm really looking for is I'm trying to locate meadows and and maybe open open cuts uh, depending on where I'm at. That could be next to some aspens. It could be by some dark timber. It could be way up at tree line. It could be closer to rows. I'm just trying to identify all these open spots and. Elk are a lot like horses or cattle. They need a ton of green grass 
each day. They need about the average elk. I think it needs somewhere around 20 pounds of grass per day. So food is huge. They live and die by them by their stomachs. And um, so I'm trying to find those potential areas where they're going to be feeding, where they're going to be spending their time. And 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 it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be feeding there during the day. They could be hitting that at night, um, early morning. Uh, during the, the middle of the night, uh, you just never really know. But I'm looking for open cuts. I'm looking for large meadows. I'm looking for little small meadows. I might be looking at some aspen trees because aspen trees usually let enough light in where there's grasses and stuff growing in there, but it, it provides some cover. So um, it's kind of the best of all worlds. They get a little bit of food. They get a little bit of cover. There's really not going to be much growing in dark timber if, if it's just straight forest. Um, now you can find some cuts that... Maybe it was an avalanche shoot, or in Colorado, it's getting a lot of um, beetle kill uh, over the years, and so some of those spots are starting to opening up, uh, open up, and and that could mean um, you know uh, grass growing in there. Uh, I also like to to reference if I'm hunting in some of those places that are a little bit closer to uh, to private land i'm also looking at maybe where some of those food sources lie so like private irrigated uh hay fields or alfalfa fields when i was actually hunting in colorado i don't think it's going to be as big of a factor this year just because the amount of rain and precipitation and snowpack that we still have in the high country so i don't think it's going to be as big a factor comparatively to last year but when i was hunting last fall it was so dry it seemed like those elk were really hitting those private fields or they were they were down lower and 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 more concentrated on private land because they had that's where the food was at everything in the high country was was burn up it was just it was just a tough year at least in the spots that i hunted so i i'm also going to reference maybe where some of those private land um fields are at even if they're two miles away or three miles away i just want to know maybe in where they're at in the general lay of the land so start looking at those as well the other thing I kind of look at is, and, and I also use this in the um, Onyx maps, one of their overlays is, is burn areas. And, it, and uh, this applies to both food and bedding. But if you look at those burn areas it, it, on those overlays, it's going to show you where the wildfire was at and, and, and what spot it took up and, and basically give you the boundaries. Again, another overlay. And um, it's also going to give you the year it was burned. If it was burned in the last, you know, these these ones that wiped through Colorado last summer, you know, they're going to be more of a food source this year as opposed to a bedding just because everything's going to be relatively new growth and and uh, the trees aren't going to be very tall yet. Depends on the burn, obviously. But um, I'm going to be looking at those burns that were maybe in the last year or two and and. I would key in on those because those are going to be new new food sources, uh, especially the ones from last year. Just because you got all that, uh, you know, charred uh, ground, you've got a lot of nutrients coming up out of there. The high country's been pummeled with rain so far. There's going to be a lot of fresh grasses showing up in there. So I would I would also check out those overlays for Onyx maps as well. So I just try to identify every little thing. And, and obviously, um, you know, they're all not going to be there. <laughs> the elk aren't going to be found in necessarily every single one of those, but you never know. It just, it just helps to start identifying these things. 
So after I've, I've located some food sources, some potential areas on both public and private on meadows, little cuts, aspen, aspen cuts, I, I then look into uh, water. So uh, I might try to identify some streams or uh, maybe some ponds. You, you never know. Um, there could be little seeps, and, and those can be found sometimes in... Um, like at the tops of aspen cuts like so usually where if you find like a little pocket of aspens kind of out in the middle of nowhere or above an uh, a meadow or some dark timber oftentimes they, they can be especially during the wetter years there can be some water there and you might even find walls there too but um i start looking for any little thing that potentially could hold water and when you're using google earth or even onyx maps has got some some really good uh or, aerials and 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 visuals now you can even see those little ponds every little stream and all that stuff so i'm trying to pick apart every little thing and and again i'm elk or herd animals they, they don't have a problem moving you know two three miles to go get water or you know going down a really steep mountain or a steep bridge to go get that water down in the stream below they'll just do it. They're just absolute beasts on the mountain. They're, they're amazing animals. So I just, again, try to identify maybe some water. It can be a little bit deceiving too. And, and unfortunately, just for the average person who doesn't know and has never been to that area, you're going to look at Google Earth or Onyx and it's going to say this is a stream and, and it visually looks like a stream. But sometimes you just don't know if that's a, a spring runoff stream or if that's a spring fed stream. You don't know if it's running uh, you know, March through July um, and it's dry the rest of the year or you don't know if it's running the full year round. But um, you know, again, it just helps to know all those different things. Uh, you know, what's good about this year, there's a ton of s snow in the high country. So probably more often than not, you're going to have a little bit of water running in, in, in most of those streams, um, just because of this, the snowpack and it's still melting to this day. And I think it still will be there even late August, early September, still melting off right up at way up at tree line. And, uh, so definitely keep that in mind, try to find some water, try to find something and, and then you can start piecing, piecing that together. Now, the third piece of the puzzle, I like to start looking for cover and, and bedding and, Really what I'm looking at here is I'm trying, I first start out with north or northeast facing dark timber areas, at least for here in Colorado. That's what I start uh, visualizing first. And, um, you know, this, again, this is, this is high level view. We'll get into some of the details here in a second, but I like to start identifying all those areas that potentially could be bedding either north or northeast facing dark timber and, and, and I start trying to see maybe how they lay out in conjunction with food and water. Um, again, still taking a high level approach here and, and just really getting, getting the lay of the land. Um, so, uh, that's primarily what I'm looking at as far as bedding cover. I then start moving into the details. So, um, again, the foods can be pretty straightforward. The water's going to be pretty straightforward. But when it comes to bedding and maybe uh, travel routes and, and rutting locations, I then, then start diving into more of the details of topography and how that's going to lay out. So Onyx Maps has a really good topo layer uh, feature. You can either look at it with the aerial view 
or just straight topo view. Um, I'll start. I'll start picking that apart, especially in the dark timber. What I've found is elk typically or elk really like to bed on on like little benchy stuff and uh kind of the spot within the spot is i like i like to find is i'll be looking at a north facing timber and i'll I'll be looking for those topo lines and they'll be really close together and that means it's going to be pretty steep country and then i'll see this little spot that maybe like juts out and and those lines get you know, further apart and maybe in just one little spot could be like a 20 yard by 30 yard area or, you know, just something really small. So I look for that little, little jut out and that tells me that that location right there is a bench. And if you find that, um, like I said, it doesn't have to be very big and some you're just not going to be able to see cause they're so small, but, um, it can be very, very minuscule. And if you find that spot, what I found is bulls like to bed in those in those areas and and then kind of the 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 double whammy is if you can find that spot uh triple whammy i should say if you can find that spot pretty close to like food or um maybe a stream or a high cut and then you also add in maybe some thicker cover above it or like some blowdowns or like a rock band that really makes it tough to to get in above them uh, or you have all these trees that are knocked down, and maybe you can see that on Google Earth, maybe from a uh, s- some beetle kill or something. Um, that's like the ideal spot because what what those elk are gonna do as far as bedding, they might be feeding in the morning, whatever, out in some meadows. They come back to bed in those spots. The thermals are gonna change. They're gonna go up the mountain, and they're gonna bed on that bench, facing uh, basically facing. Uh, I guess it kind of depends on on where they're facing, but they're going to use the, use the advantage of the thermals going up the mountain. So they're going to be able to smell anything below them. And and if they can bed with something at their back, like all that blow down or up against a rock band or something, um, something's going to make noise, whether it's a hunter or a predator coming through there. Uh, they're going to use that noise advantage at their back or above them to know if something's coming that they don't like. So that's kind of the trifactor, Some, somewhere close to food and cover, or, or sorry, food and water. You find that little bench on north, northeast facing timber and uh, maybe some deadfall or some sort of terrain feature above them that's that's gonna allow them to uh, keep predators or, or humans away. That's kind of that's kind of my secret spot. That's that's what I look for. And again, it doesn't really take much to find that, um, and it doesn't have to be a big big bench. But any little, uh, you know, kind of kind of outcrop there can can mean some some really good bedding. So look for that. If you find like a bigger like benchy area where it might be like hundreds of yards wide or or um, you know like a, a really big flat spot, those can be really good for for rut sign, for travel corridors, uh, especially if you can find maybe where the aspens are kind of meeting the dark timber. seems like there's kind of a little bit of a transition zone there or like you might have some some dark timber and then it comes into like an as- like a big aspen flat or a bench. I found some really good rutting activity in there, uh, lots of rubs, lots of trails. It's just they kind of like the edge habitat that all animals seem to like the change. Um, they like the edge of, of food and cover. Uh, so, so look out for those as well. So 
benches are, are huge and, and I really like to key in on those using those topo overlays. And another thing when it comes to bedding, I usually don't see elk bed like on top of a ridge. I'll see them like cross over a, a ridge or, you know, find maybe like a saddle where they're getting pinched down in. But, um, I usually see them like bed, like maybe a third, third down the hill or just kind of depends, but uh, I never really see them bed on top of a hill. So, um, as far as like the travel routes and stuff, I, I like to, I like to then look at maybe try to find those, those pinch points. So if you can find a saddle or somewhere where the topography is going to kind of shuffle them through a certain area, um, you know, look out for those too. So topo is huge. I can't stress that enough. And, and that's going to help you a lot. Uh, I want to kind of tell you about a, a, basically a scenario. I, I, and, and I've been able to learn all this stuff through kind of trial and error. I've never really been able to look at like a map or Google earth or whatever and say, all right, this is, this is where those elk are going to be. The, the reason I know a lot of this stuff, or at least can pass on some of this information is because I've looked at it high level from Google Earth or Onyx Maps, and I've actually went out there and hunted these spots. And each time I hunt these spots, you learn a little bit more. You learn a little bit more information, and you learn how these elk move and bed and feed and and, and what they're doing um, and how they're using all these different factors to their advantage. So the only reason I'm able to like do this or uh, like showcase this podcast is not because I know all the different features on Google Earth or all the different features on Onyx Maps is because I've lived it. I've, I've had years of experiences in some of these same spots that I can, I can honestly stay with 100% certainty. I've kind of built the track record. I've found the trends. I've found the patterns of what these elk are doing. So I can then go back and say, all right, yeah, that makes total sense. When I look at it now from a map, <laughs> from overlay, that that is why they are there. This is this is 100% certain. And I can make correlations and patterns towards um, just looking at a map. So, uh, for example, a couple of years ago, I was I was hunting in one of my spots, and um, you know, it really just hit me. Kind of all this information I just kind of uh, you know let go here and and was describing. It, it actually came from from a hunt. Um, and then it happened multiple times after that. And it actually happened a few times before that. It just finally took, you know, uh, after a few times to really <laughs> drive it home and put the pieces in place. But I was hunting this spot and I was watching these bulls in this meadow and it was, it was early morning and, and I, I was trying to sneak up the, this cut and this kind of drainage up to get to these bulls. By the time, you know, I'd finally snuck up there and gotten within, you know, 50 yards or whatever, they had started leaving the meadow and they were heading back to bed. So I was like, damn, missed my opportunity, you know. Um, I was going to try to kill them in the meadow or try to try to get somewhere so I didn't have to, to, to follow them through the timber. Well, they moved off, so I kind of just let them come through. I was trying to do the call and trying to do all that stuff. I just could not get them to react and, and come over. So I just kind of watched them. It seemed like they were kind of slowing down, going real slow. And it was in this spot with lots of deadfall. It was kind of ledgy and benchy. So I was just kind of taking my time and and, and uh, I just kind of let them move past me. I couldn't get a shot as they moved through the dark timber. So I just let them move off. And and ultimately, I thought they bedded down. So I let them... I let them lay for a bit I could not see him at this point so I decided to just to, to really move slow in the direction that they just went 
and I, I just started tip throwing through there. And after probably about five minutes get, getting off that meadow or a couple minutes, uh, I come up over this ridge and I see, you know, a, a bull elk bedded down below me. And he's like 35 yards away. He's, he's definitely within shot distance. And um, he's bedded on this little bench. And, and it's not very big. It's probably like 10 yards wide, 20 yards uh, uh, or 10 yards depth, 20 yards wide. And, and he's just there. It's, it's, it, it's everything that he wants. It's, it's dark timber and he's got safety and cover. And again, he's using those thermals to advantage. So I came in above him and I was trying to get a shot, trying to move around, but I didn't want to force anything and I didn't want to risk the extra movement. So I was like, well, I'm just going to wait him out, see what's going to happen. And, uh, maybe he'll stand up here soon or whatever. Well, that was my fatal mistake. This was at the time when the thermals were, were still swirling. Uh, they hadn't quite fully switched yet. It was that mid-morning. The wind hit the back of my neck, and boom, he was gone. Uh, so lesson learned. But um, if I didn't have that encounter, if I wasn't actually able to see where they bedded right there, uh, you know, it would be tough for me to put together those pieces. So I just kind of wanted to tell that story and show that, you know, these are real world events that, and, and I've seen bulls in there since I've, I've seen, I've kicked, I've jumped bulls out of there in the past. Um, so I know, I know they like that, uh, particular terrain. Obviously that's not a one size fits all for every single area, but for where I'm at, um, that makes a lot of sense. So focus on the finding those benches. Uh, let's see again. Um, I think, I think a lot of it as far as scouting and, and doing all that stuff really comes down to, to pressure. Um, and that could be, uh, again, you might not have pressure right next to a road, even though there's, there's people there or, or people, uh, driving past, there might not actually be any hunting pressure right there. And elk recognize that they're going to, they're going to move, move to towards those areas. And the same thing with way back in the high country, um, as a rule of thumb, if you can get further away, you're, you're going to lose some pressure. So, but it doesn't always hold true. Um, so again, it's, it's kind of up in the air, but, um, you know, literally elk can be found anywhere and sometimes they can be found right under your nose. Uh, a couple other things I like to do as far as like overall, like digital scouting, uh, if I jump back to G Google Earth, what's cool is that you can actually get more of a 3D view and a, and a 3D um, like image or like a like you're actually sitting on top of a, a a ridge and you can like see what certain terrain features look like. So I'll also use that maybe for potential glassing spots or I, I can actually like get in and, and zoom in on a basin and I can bring it down to like eye level. And then if you rotate that, you can actually see what you would actually see from that point, um, which is pretty neat. So I like to take advantage of that feature. I also like to take advantage of um, their basically, not trail, what am I looking for here? Distance uh, marker. A lot of times you're looking at these maps from uh, 2000 feet above and you're like, man, that terrain doesn't look too bad or I'll be able to get in there pretty quick or pretty easy. And you get there and you're like, holy hell, this is going to be, <laughs> this is going to be rough. Uh, I like to use those, those, um, 
markers and, and, and distance lines and see how far it actually is to get into that spot. Cause a mile through rugged terrain is not the same a mile through cut cornfields in the Midwest. It's just, it's just not. So, uh, I like to do, I like to do those lines. I like to do some zigzagging. I like to add some different miles. Um, don't necessarily go as the crow flies cause, cause you're not going to take an, a direct route in a lot of applications make sure you kind of understand what you're getting into because it's never as easy as what it looks like <laughs> on on the maps looking online so um i like to do that as well just a couple different features there so that so that helps out quite a bit um let's see what what else do we got uh yeah basically in closing just just really use these these tools and resources and onyx maps and and google earth and these overlays as a general rule of thumb, get yourself in the ballpark. Um, get yourself acquainted with the terrain, and 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 again, try to try to mark out some of these spots. If you find maybe some aspen cuts, or you find that little bench, we'll mark it on there, and um, you know, use that use that as information uh, for when you actually get out there as as potential spots to check out, and it's not going to hurt. If you can get out there and start start driving around, you can you can look at the hunting pressure. You can look at where other people are at. You might be able to glass some elk, spot them up from miles away. Uh, just be willing to throw everything out the window that you've you've scouted and learned due to all these different factors. So you just you just never really know till you get out there. But at least it's going to get you in the ballpark, and you, and you're not going in a hundred percent blind. So. Um, I definitely recommend Onyx Maps not only for scouting, but for actually in the field use. So download the app, put it on your phone, and uh, you can actually run it on airplane mode too, and use it as your GPS. Even if you're near, you're in areas that don't have cell reception. It's just an all-around good resource of public lands, private lands, uh, marking spots, just using it in the field. So highly recommend them. And uh, if you do want to download Onyx Maps, you haven't used it before. Make sure you, uh, I actually have a discount code, use WILD20 at checkout or when you purchase the app, and that's going to get you 20% off your order. So that's pretty cool. W-I-L-D-2020, not dot com. (laughs) I've been talking for too long by myself. WILD20, W-I-L-D-20, enter that and you'll get 20% off. So that's pretty cool. Uh, I've been using Onyx Mass for a long time. I, I, I truly do love it. And, uh, it's, it's game changer. It really is. So hopefully, hopefully you've, if you've learned a few things, hopefully you're not, uh, super tired of my rambling voice, but really just, just start high picture. And if, again, if you're hunting in Colorado, you're looking at those overlays or you're, you're, you don't know where to begin, go watch that video. It's going to walk you through step-by-step on how to download everything and use Google earth to really get into those locations. Then start picking apart, you know, you know, where your, where your roads are, where your trails are, um, you know, that stuff. And then, and then you can start, di- uh, diving into, um, you know, obviously your different terrain features and lay of the land and, and, and maybe some of those spots that are going to deter hunters. Then you can start identifying food and water and cover. And, and then you can start planning your routes and your camping locations and how you're going to get in there. Start, And then you can then start picking apart the details, looking for those benches, looking for those certain things, um, those draws, the pinch points, uh, the saddles, 
all these little things that, that get factored in and ultimately it can all be blown up by hunting pressure. So, uh, again, just, just be aware, uh, start, start small, uh, look at the big picture and then dive into the to the details. So hopefully this has helped you out. I, I know it's, it's, it's a little tough to kind of explain and, and not be able to show visuals at the same time, but, uh, hopefully you've got a better idea. Hopefully, hopefully you feel a little bit more comfortable going into the season and, uh, I wish you guys all the luck. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk at you later. All right, and there it is, another episode in your face. Hope you guys like that. Hopefully, I didn't lose half my listeners of the Transition Wild podcast because of the stupid little uh, quips and, and, and stunt and, and bad acting I pulled <laughs> at the beginning. Uh, I was just trying to be dumb, and uh, that's what you get, unfortunately. this is I'm not getting paid the big bucks here, so unfortunately, you're going to have to put up with stuff like that every once in a while, but I'll, I'll try to keep a few and far between. <laughs> so uh, anyways, hope you guys learned something from that. I hope uh, hope my rambling wasn't too much for you, but there's a lot of information out there and, and definitely check out some of the stuff I put out on online, some of the YouTube videos. Um, I know it's not easy. Hopefully, hopefully at least gets you in the ballpark and that's, and that's really all you can ask for when, especially when you're coming out of state you're in new territory. This is this is really meant to get you started. And uh, like I said, we're getting close to season. I cannot believe we're we're almost uh, we're halfway through July and 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 August will be here before you know it and and next thing you know, it's September and elk are bugling and we're all going crazy. So um <laughs> it's it's at our fingertips. As mentioned, there's a lot of cool podcasts coming down the the pipe for you know, aggressive calling and, and, uh, you know, public land tactics, uh, planning a hunt, all that stuff. So a lot of, a lot of elk centric stuff coming at you, but I think it's going to be good content. I think you guys are going to love it. So stay tuned for that. As mentioned, go to Colorado or Colorado. Yeah. Go to Colorado, uh, go to transitionwild.com, subscribe. I'll send you the Colorado beginner elk hunting guide for free. It's a 10-page PDF download. It's going to walk you through everything to get started with elk hunting here in Colorado. I swear I won't spam you. I promise I won't put you on some, uh, you know, porn website or uh, put your put do a fake Craigslist ad or, you know, something like that. I'm going to keep that all secret. So don't uh, don't worry. I'm, your, your information's safe with me. Go subscribe. Get that guide. And uh, you'll be off and running this year in Colorado. Thanks again to our sponsors, Expedition Archery, Skull Brew Coffee, and Outdoor Edge Knives. Hope you guys have a great yes, yes, west, guest, what? Hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll talk to you soon.